Dr. Katz was an early proponent of preventative medicine and is the founder and former president of the Yale Griffin Prevention Research Center. He has written 13 books, including The Truth About Food and How to Eat. He is the founder and CEO of Diet ID, a company that makes a tool to help measure and manage diet. And with that, let me start the interview. Hello, Dr. Katz. You are the founder and former director of Yale University, Yale Griffin Prevention Research Center, and the founder and CEO of Diet ID. So welcome to Modern Healthspan, and thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure to be with you, Richard. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Dr. Katz, you kind of got into preventative healthcare very early. It was one of the earliest things. Well, you were one of the earliest people, I believe, kind of looking at this. And so could you provide some introduction to yourself and what kind of led you down that path? Well, uh, let me reiterate, Richard, something that everybody says when, when they're getting credit for their trailblazing career. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So I was certainly not the first to discover preventive medicine. The field was established long before me. But it's true that when I entered it 35 years ago, uh, it was definitely the road less traveled. And uh, it, it has a significantly greater presence in medicine today. But in brief, I, I trained in internal medicine and thought I was going to spend my medical career taking care of people who got sick and, and did that. But I have a native tendency to see the forest rather than just the trees. And it's interesting because in science, it tends to go the other way. Science is very reductionistic. There are a lot of people who are really expert in trees who can't see the forest. I'm a forest guy. So the big picture when I was training in internal medicine, and that means spending 110 hours a week in the hospital taking care of really sick people, was to recognize that easily eight out of 10 hospital beds were filled by pretty miserable people who had really lousy stuff they never needed to get. They had heart disease they could have avoided, they had lung disease they could have avoided, they had infectious diseases we knew how to avoid. And I thought, you know, basically I'm learning how to be one of the king's horses and one of the king's men. And all these hospital beds are filled with Humpty Dumpty who fell off a wall and we ought to fix the wall, lower the wall, put a seat belt up. I mean, th th we can do better than this because we're never going to restore intact vitality to people who get this sick in the first place. There's got to be a way to help prevent the next cohort from winding up in the same condition. So I found my way into, at the time, quite obscure training program, preventive medicine uh, at Yale, which had a program. And the rest, as they say, is history. I really focused my entire career, clinical teaching, research, writing on the prevention of preventable, mostly cardiometabolic diseases. And what is kind of the biggest factors that are driving these preventable diseases? Well, it, it's interesting, Richard, because even causes have causes and, mm. you know, you could debate where the bedrock resides. So mm. I'm a past president of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. We identified the lifestyle domains mm. that are the leading drivers. And, and we tend to say the root causes of all this preventable mayhem, years lost from lives, life lost from years. So I summarize that list as feet, forks, fingers, sleep, stress and love. So feet, physical activity, not getting it, forks, dietary patterns. Poor diet is the single leading predictor of premature death and chronic disease in the modern world. Fingers, not doing this, not bringing tobacco to our lips, not bringing excess alcohol to our mouths, mm -hmm. avoiding toxins. Sleep, we need enough. Stress, we need to avoid too much. And love, 
social connections. Homo sapiens is a social animal. We need one another. John Donne may have said it best, no one is an island, right? So we, we, we thrive on that connection and we fail to thrive without it. Those would be the six core domains of lifestyle medicine. Now, there's, of course, environmental considerations, social considerations, issues of disparity. So, again, even causes have causes. Genetics are not unimportant, but frankly, most of us in this field agree that your zip code is far more important to your health outcomes than your genetic code. It's where you live, the circumstances of your life. And your lifestyle behaviors are influenced by all of that. One final comment, because it's, I think, rare that a single research publication alters an entire career trajectory, but that happened to me. I finished my training in preventive medicine public health at Yale in 1993, and within just a couple of months of my graduation, a paper came out in the Journal of the American Medical Association entitled Actual Causes of Death in the United States. Essentially, it was the answer to the question you're asking. So what's driving all this heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, dementia, premature death. And the two authors said, we need to look beyond what gets listed on a death certificate because that's the immediate cause of death. But when you say atherosclerosis caused the heart attack, that caused the heart to fail, that caused death, what you really wanna know is what caused the atherosclerosis that we could have prevented. And that's my list, feed forks, fingers, sleep, stress, and love. And that has been a drumbeat in the peer-reviewed literature these past 35 years, that if we could eliminate tobacco, optimize diet quality, encourage routine physical activity and address those other factors, at least 80% of the total burden of chronic disease in the modern world and the attendant premature deaths that ensue could be eliminated. What an incredible luminous promise that is. So I've been chasing that promise my entire career. Yes. Uh, so has that paper been updated? That was nine, you said about 35 years ago. Uh, is, is there uh, well, a newer version? Well, just that one just shy of 30. That was 1993. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. It, so that paper was explicitly updated 10 years later by scientists at the CDC who found exactly the same thing. So the same 10 factors still explained almost all of the premature death in the U.S. and by extension, the modern world. And the, the big difference over that first decade was that the gap between tobacco is number one and poor diet and lack of physical activity in combination is number two had narrowed because we were smoking less, but our diets were still terrible and our activity levels were declining. If you jump forward to today, so the, the full span of 30 years, there have been innumerable publications in the peer-reviewed literature on this topic, most particularly of late, a massive global study called the Global Burden of Disease involving many investigators from all around the world. And the conclusion there is that poor diet quality measured objectively is the single leading predictor variable for premature death and chronic disease risk in the modern world. So there's a very extensive literature on this topic and the findings really are incontrovertible. They're remarkably consistent over the past 30 years. The only good news in the mix really is that we have made some strides reducing tobacco use. So that kind of brings us to the key question perhaps. So what are the core requirements of a healthy diet? I, you know, I, I've written many books on the topic as well as scientific papers. And, and one of my books is called The Truth About Food. I, I kind of look at that one as my magnum opus. It's a, it's a behemoth. It's a 200,000 word book. 
right? <laughs> almost 800 pages. Uh, and I joke about it and in the book that actually the truth about food should have been seven words long <laughs> and they wouldn't be my words. I would plagiarize all of them. They'd be Michael Pollan's famous words, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Honestly, that formula is correct. So when he says eat food, he means real food as opposed to glow in the dark, ultra processed Franken food. So real food direct from nature. If you can identify where in the natural world the food came from, that's a good thing. If it has an ingredient list one word long, that's a good thing. Not too much actually tends to take care of itself when you eat wholesome foods because they fill us up on fewer calories than ultra processed foods, which are actually designed to maximize the calories it takes to feel full. Why? Because then we eat more and then we buy more and then we spend more and that's making somebody's bank account plump out. Of course, it's making us plump out too. So we lose, they win, but that's by design uh, and mostly plants. So to, just to embellish that a little bit, this really is the conclusion. Diets made up mostly of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, lentils, nuts and seeds and plain water when thirsty. If they're really made up mostly of that in their native, minimally processed form are really good diets. Any variation on the theme that could be vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, flexitarian, Mediterranean, high fat, low fat, high carb, low carb. Uh, you know, there are lots of different variations on the theme. There isn't just one specific prescriptive diet that's best, but that basic theme is the dietary pattern best suited to the physiology and metabolism of the kind of animal we are. And, and Richard, that's, that's an important point. We overlook that. We are a kind of animal, right? So you and I are cousins. You know, we just met, but we're cousins. Uh, you know, we're, we're closely related. We're much alike. We're biologically the same. Humans are biologically the same all over the world. And we recognize with every species other than our own, that the way a kind of animal should eat is the way a kind of animal should eat, right? So dolphins eat fish and uh, lions eat wildebeest and wildebeest eat grass and you know everybody does what they ought to do. Well, we have those adaptations too. We understand them. They've been studied, explored. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. That's the theme. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, there are many variations on the theme, including the rich array of cultural diets that allow us to choose the specific version of that theme that lets us love food that loves us back. And by the way, the other 199,993 words in the truth about food are all about why is it so hard <laughs> to get at this simple truth that's been so beautifully expressed in seven words. So that's really the problem. And if you want to know the rest of that story, the book is at your disposal.